Skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Living Skin Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Bialco, and I am so grateful you're here with us today. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is the place where we talk all things skin, product, services, innovations, and of course, how the skin works. Today, we are welcoming back to the podcast, Angela Taylor, who was the education director for UK and Ireland. She has been in the industry for over 25 years, and of course, she is an expert in training, education, and skin health. So welcome back to the podcast, Angela. Hi, Beth. I'm super excited to be with you today. Awesome. Thanks for joining us again. And I was just thinking about our podcast this morning and how excited I am to be talking a a little differently about how the skin changes. So for those of you tuning in, this episode is going to be a little different. Now, as I've mentioned, we've covered skin conditions, um, how they manifest, including extrinsic and intrinsic factors. So think of like stress, diet, the environment. But today we are going for the big H and that is hormones. So, and then the interesting thing is about hormones is that I think as skin therapists, we understand how estrogen, testosterone, how it affects the skin. But what's interesting from that is that not many people are really talking about it. And especially with menopause, both peri and post is a reality that happens to around 50% of the population. So I thought this would be a great time to bring Angela onto the podcast, who has done a lot of training and education about hormones in the skin and this menopause journey so that we as skin therapists can understand how to support our clients and our patients better. So Angie, I want to talk first about Number one, let's just talk about menopause, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many women are currently affected that you have noticed like with throughout your research? Yeah, I mean, Beth, like you said earlier, it's something that's going to affect every woman in their lifetime. So actually, we have to kind of start by thinking about the fact that it's not an illness. It's not even a medical condition necessarily. It's just a natural event that's going to happen, particularly, as you said, related to hormones. But I think the important thing to just start off by saying is that everybody's journey will be very very different um and so my journey will be very different to yours as to any other people that are listening today um but if we look across the globe we're talking about 1.2 billion menopausal and postmenopausal women by 2030 um, with about 47 million new entrants into that category each year so it's a huge proportion of the population we're talking about if I look at the, the UK, for example, um, we've got 13 million women in the UK who are currently peri or postmenopausal. So that's equal to about a third of the UK female population. 
So it's something that we do need to be very vocal about and we do need to be talking about, but also we need to be very confident when we are having these discussions with clients in the treatment room. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's shocking when you look at the, the, the numbers that, again, it's happening to so many women all over the world. And as you said, it's going to happen at some point in every woman's lifetime. And the fact that there's not a lot of conversation around it, I think also too, as clients, as they start to kind of go through this process, if they're not understanding it, and then suddenly the skin starts to kind of behave differently and they're noticing things like, wait a second, this this wasn't around in my in my 30s or I didn't notice this yesterday. So I thought it'd be great if we could kind of walk, you know, have you walk us through like, you know, what it is, what are the what's the process definitely of, you know, having these hormonal shifts and changes, especially as you're headed into menopause. And then from there, what are some of the responses that we might even see in the treatment room? So of course, if you're, you know, tuning in, you're listening, like you're thinking perimenopausal, menopause or post, right? Hot flashes, sweating, sensitivity, fatigue, mood swings. There's a lot of things that happen, but in the treatment room, recognizing it can, can definitely be a little bit different. So let's start first with walking through what is menopause and kind of what is the process? I think the first place to start, Beth, is hormones, as you said, because ultimately that is the starting point of the discussion around menopause. So if we look at the female journey of, of hormones, particularly, of course, it starts in puberty. We then go through the menstrual cycle, you know, and that's something that we go through generally regularly throughout our lifetime. Um, and ultimately, when we reach menopausal years, it's when we start to see hormonal shifts in that menstrual cycle, and particularly the dominant hormone, which as you alluded to, being estrogen, is going through a decline in terms of how much we're producing, because we're coming to sort of the end of the reproductive years, the level of estrogen starts to decline that we produce in the ovaries, and therefore this has quite a, a big impact in so many different areas of the body. And that's kind of fundamentally because if we think about hormones, we, we inherently have something called an endocrine system, which is made up of lots of different hormonal organs, you know, that are producing hormones on a regular basis, the ovaries in female being one of them. Um, but we also have our skin, which is that living, breathing organ, which is super receptive to hormones. So whenever we go through any hormonal fluctuation in our lifetime, the skin tends to be a huge recipient to those fluctuations, both positively and negatively. And particularly for menopause, because estrogen is the most dominant hormone that we produce as a female, it affects not just only, not only our skin, but also the way we feel, our brain function, our cognitive ability, as you alluded to, it can affect how you feel, your mood, but also your sort of ability to focus. It can affect um, the way you hold fluid retention and weight gain. Interestingly, the gut, the more I've, I've sort of gone through it myself and the research I've done, as we, we talk about your gut is really your sort of secondary immune system, but also it's super receptive to hormones and estrogen is really important for the balance of the microbiome and your gut health. So you'll tend to see a lot of shifts in women's um, gut health during menopause, particularly bloating and um, perhaps weight gain and also irritation on the skin. 
around around the midsection. Um, but also, of course, we do get those other symptoms like flushing and heat in the skin tissues because estrogen is so important for heat regulation in the body. So when you're going through these fluctuations, it can throw all of that off. But even things like joint pain, um, muscular tension, uh, breath changes, you know, there's so many things that are intertwined with your hormones in your skin and your body. Um, but I think we underestimate how integral estrogen is to your body and your mind's health um, and equally your skin's health um, you know there can be up to I mean there can be well some people say 34 I've heard 40 different symptoms so many different symptoms that you can go through in menopause um, most people on average will go through between six to ten of those symptoms that are listed some people will go through even more um, and so that's why I say everybody's journey is very unique because the way we respond to hormones is, is in, in such a unique process um, and some people can have a tough journey some people can have an, an easier journey um, but that's fundamentally ultimately what's happening during menopause is your estrogen levels are gradually declining to the point where you can no longer reproduce and so your reproductive organs take on a different function um, and that estrogen is no longer needed to be produced in the dominant area of the ovaries anymore and this then has a huge impact in terms of the aging process of the body but also the skin right i mean and that's such a such a huge thing when you think about all the different um you know symptoms that people women can experience and everyone's going to be different which is also like your skin conditions and how your skin responds so that's going to be very different so you know whether someone might have an increase in sensitivity and flushing and irritation on the skin your other client could be experiencing excessive dryness unexplained breakouts so these responses that come into the treatment room if a therapist maybe doesn't know, right? That mm. their client is experiencing this or going through these types of hormonal changes. Maybe the client hasn't, maybe they don't even know themselves. Mm. Um, maybe they haven't shared that information. What are some of the responses that we might see in the treatment room or that how could we empower the skin therapist to be really in tune and more aware if yeah. their client is experiencing those changes? Yeah, I think it's really good, as you say, because I think one of the privileges we have as being a, a skin therapist and being in that sort of safe space of the treatment room is we often will go through with that, that person their journey um, through life mm -hmm. and, of course, through skin. And so we usually become quite in tune with when we start to sort of see those changes. Now, of course, you could look at somebody's age in terms of if they've indicated that on the consultation forms and through the discussions you've had. You could use that as a bit of a benchmark. Um, on average, it's usually between sort of 45 to 55. I, I know in the UK, the average age to go sort of menopause, postmenopause is 51, sort of, but it can vary from country to country. Um, so you could use that as a benchmark. And if somebody's within that range, it may mean that they're going through some of those perimenopausal or postmenopausal symptoms. Obviously, Another indicator could be when you're going through medication, if somebody's taking HRT, for example, or going through some sort of hormonal therapy, um, that also could be an indicator that somebody's going or gone postmenopausal, um, which will in itself have an impact on the skin. Um, I think the other thing in, in terms of, as you indicated, perimenopause, and I know we're going to delve into this in a bit, is 
sort of like such a, um, it can be quite a challenging time because your body is going through real fluctuations in terms of hormones. So you can see sensitivity one minute, dehydration the next, you could then get breakouts, you could have pigmentation. So often you'll find the skin's quite challenging at that stage. So it may be that your client's coming into you saying, I, I'm getting breakouts. I haven't had breakouts for years. Why am I getting breakouts? Or, you know, they may be frustrated with their skin because all of a sudden they can't use the products they were once using. Um, and I know for me, certainly when, when I think back to my perimenopausal years, my skin was really, really challenging in terms of how I had to deal with it. So I think you'll probably find that those kind of conversations will come up for clients that are going through that perimenopausal journey. They may indicate that they're getting hot in the treatment, you know, that they're having those sweats, which again would be potentially a sign symptom of that. Um, and I think usually to your point, you know, you can generally tell when someone's going post-menopause because their skin will go on the opposite end of the spectrum. It will go more dry and it will start to potentially they'll start to really see the sort of skin laxity decrease, the elasticity, and they'll start to see the aging sort of take hold in the skin. Um, so I think for us, if we're in tune with the client and we're doing good skin analysis, good conversation, um, and we are asking the right questions, we can normally find out a little bit more about what's happening with their skin and get a good idea. Because as you said, actually often the majority of women won't know they're perimenopausal. They mm -hmm. will just think what is happening to me I'm I'm happy one minute and then frustrated the next or angry or I can't focus or my skin's breaking out you know there's so many things going on um you sometimes might put it down to stress levels you might put it down yeah. to sort of changes in, in your work life um and you just you don't necessarily put the two things together until perhaps you've had a dialogue with someone else or you've sort of read something or you've maybe gone and seek medical um support so yeah and it can be frustrating, especially for someone who doesn't understand like kind of what mm -hmm. are some of the changes. And, you know, again, it's not our job as a skin therapist to be diagnosing. This is what they're going through, yeah. but to be a support system and to, you know, help navigate these changes and what are going to be the best treatments or skin services and what are going to be the best products. And sometimes it's a bit of trial and error. So the mm -hmm. client can get very frustrated and like, well, you know, I tried the sunscreen. I know I love it. And now suddenly it's like, you know, burning my skin. Like, what am I mm -hmm. going to do? Like, how can I, I've never had, you know, acne spot treatments before. And now I have to introduce that into my routine. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also just really being patient with the progress and the process with them as as well so you mentioned obviously estrogen is such a key thing mm -hmm. that gets um, affected and that causes so many changes not only in our skin but again our our physical body our hair everything mm -hmm. gets affected as well so i think this could be a great time to explore that decline as you put it in the mm -hmm. state of menopause so walking through perimenopause uh, menopause postmenopause and let's break that down a little bit further where we can maybe see um, signs of changes on the skin and what could be some recommendations for products for home care 
And if there's any uh, pro tips that you have, Angela, that could really help a therapist go, okay, great. I want to bring in this type of service, or this is the perfect time for me to bring in more of an advanced application. So let's start with perimenopause. I think it's a great place. It's also too, it's the most challenging place to be <laughs> yeah. um, as well. So let's start with that one first. Yeah. Okay. So if we think about it, like going back to what I said earlier, for, for most women, your estrogen and progesterone levels will rise and fall pretty consistently throughout your lifetime in terms of your menstrual cycle. Um, but then as we approach menopause, the ovaries start to slow down their production of these hormones. Um, and the perimenopause really signals that start of that phase when our hormones are in a state of flux. So they're up and down. Um, they haven't sort of really fully declined yet. Um, and as we said, estrogen is that most well-known sex hormone. And there are different types of estrogen, just to say, but the predominant one, the one that we're talking about in terms of menopause particularly, is produced in your ovaries. And it's the one that sort of does dominate most of those things you've been talking about in terms of what it affects from the brain to the bones to the skin. Um, but we do still produce a little level of estrogen, a different type of estrogen in things like fat cells um, and sometimes the adrenal glands. So we do keep a little level but it's that high amount that starts to flux up and down during perimenopause. And so because we get that fluctuation, um, this is where most people will start to notice, as we said, those whole host of array of symptoms um, and maybe not necessarily realize that it's the hormones that are driving those shifts and those changes. So estrogen, just to say, and I think it's good to just say initially why we have estrogen in terms of skin function, because then it makes sense as to why we see some of the symptoms on the skin. So estrogen itself is really responsible for helping the stimulation of things like our sebaceous secretion. So it keeps the skin lubricated. It also helps to stimulate the production of hyaluronic acid, which, as we know, is really important for keeping the skin plump. Um, and looking sort of hydrated. It's also um, important for ceramide production, which is critical for our barrier function, but also for helping hydrate the skin. And so if you just think about those three things already, estrogen is very entwined with keeping the skin looking youthful, plump and hydrated. Then it's also very entwined with the collagen production in the skin. So it's necessary to help with that collagen production and keeping the skin looking youthful and smooth and as I indicated earlier it's equally important for temperature regulation so when we see a drop in estrogen levels it tends to help it affects the way the body regulates the temperature and we get those flushes um, and then lastly just to mention that estrogen is involved with wound healing so Often what we see when the estrogen levels decline is things like, not even necessarily just the wound, but a breakout can take ages to heal in the skin and can be lingering for a long period of time. So I think it's just important to, to mention those. And the other one I just wanted to add on is because estrogen, as I said, is so entwined with your, your gut health and your general well-being, you can also see like the inflammation levels tend to rise when estrogen levels decline. So um, sometimes also the other problem we'll see in the skin will be excessive inflammation or skin rashes that you don't quite know why they've come up. Um, so that's something also to be aware of. And the reason for that, Beth, which I find super fascinating is because 
usually one of the things that also happens with going through perimenopause and menopause is your cortisol levels rise and cortisol is your stress hormone and when you have higher levels of cortisol you tend to hold on to fat around the middle you get um, heart palpitations but also you get um, these issues that we've just been talking about in terms of inflammation in the skin so um, you don't get that sort of counteractivity because estrogen is, is dropping. So cortisol levels tend to, to rise when the estrogen levels drop. So it's, it's important to note that although estrogen is the main hormone, it, it has an impact on other hormones that then can become either too high or too low, depending on the relationship between the two. So I think in perimenopause, the key things to say are that, like we said, these are normally they can start as early as 35 in terms of how young somebody may be when they're going through the early stages of, of perimenopause. For some people, it can be 10 years of going through perimenopause before they come up to that final menstrual cycle and then go postmenopause. Um, commonly, the age is usually around 45. I can say for myself personally, I was postmenopausal by 45. So it's very different for each individual person. Um, and so for me, when I look back, some of the things that happened in my 30s, now I realise that that was perimenopause that was happening in my skin. And so sometimes it's a bit reflective in terms of when you realise you're perimenopausal. Um, and as I said, it can be maybe four to five years, but it can be up to 10 years of, tra of change and transition and flux in the skin. Um, but the things we'll start to see, possibly in some people's skins, as we said, are potentially breakouts. It could be the first time you're experiencing breakouts, or it could be that you did have breakouts when you're younger and then you see them coming back, which can be quite frustrating because you think you've gone past that stage and all of a sudden you're getting breakouts. What I would say that's probably different in perimenopause with the breakouts is normally the inflammation that's attached. So they're normally more inflamed. They can be sort of uh, maybe not so many, but more aggressive and potentially painful. Um, and like I said, they'll take a lot longer to heal. So they don't tend to, to go as quickly as you would expect. Mm -hmm. um, and then alongside breakouts, we can also get that pigmentation, which could be left after the inflammation of a breakout. But it could also be, um, again, because what we tend to see is that by natural aging process, your melanocytes that produce melanin decline with age. Um, and so when we start to see that, it being accelerated normally within the menopausal years um so it can be sort of 10 to 20 percent per decade in those sort of menopausal years for, for people so uneven pigmentation can be quite a symptom you start to see in perimenopause and then the other thing i would say is that normally at perimenopause because you've got the flushing potentially the heat regulation issues and estrogen is maybe not producing as many ceramides you might start to see some barrier issues like sensitivity like we said more flushing and blushing in the skin or the skin being more vulnerable um, and potentially more reactive to products that it maybe wasn't before and you will possibly start to also notice your skin becoming a bit more dehydrated so you maybe again had a more oilier skin potentially when you were younger um, in the 20s but you'll start to notice perhaps that dehydration creeping in a little bit more with perimenopause um, and some of the early signs of aging um, as well, because you will have some natural aging process happening at this time, um, but it may be being accelerated during that perimenopausal stage. So you can see it's a real time of fluctuation and mm. it can be incredibly frustrating because like I said, you might be dealing with sensitivity and breakouts and pigmentation and 
dehydration all at once. <laughs> all at once. And it, and it, and it changes on a day-to-day yeah. basis as well. And it's, if you're thinking about it, all of the, you know, impairment of pause, I mean, again, with the estrogen decline, and of course that being such a key, you know, anchors so many functions within the body. And of course, mm. collagen being a huge component of that. I mean, you're going to be seeing things, especially like right around like the jawline and the chin mm. and right around the hormonal area. And I'm glad you brought up how the breakouts would potentially really, you know, show up differently. They're going to present definitely, maybe like deeper, more painful, mm. long lasting, you know, definitely lingering from that. And then the the bit about inflammation, I think is fascinating, Angela, because not only does it affect possibly home care, but it can affect the treatment. You may mm-hmm. have been able to do certain types of exfoliation or modalities or chemical peels on this client before. Mm-hmm. And suddenly just, you know, the small amount of a high level of a hydroxy acid sends them into more of a higher response or inflammatory mm-hmm. you know, response, or maybe they used to be able to do two or three layers of appeal. And now suddenly it's just like, listen, this is, this is too much. So I think that's important for us to know mm. as professionals that just as we have to curate and change and create their at-home care, same thing is going to happen into the treatment room. What have you found has been one of the maybe most effective types of treatments for someone in um, who's going through perimenopause is it more of like a customized treatment do you find that you need to kind of uh, maybe come in more often with the with the client or patient yeah I think it's a great question I mean coming back to your point about the skin changing so much I think skin analysis is key Mm -hmm. so I think you know making sure as a professional you have your clients coming in for that regular skin analysis that's either attached to a professional treatment or to home care advice because it can be so fluctuating that you might need to be changing um, the recommendations more regularly than you potentially would normally. Um, I think from a professional perspective, to your point, it is about really ensuring that you do keep up to date with the changing client consultation and skin. And so I do think more of the bespoke prescriptive type of treatments are going to be better at this stage because it might be that you need to add in led light therapy you know Mm -hmm. for one service because particularly they might need the healing aspect or they might need the the red led or the near infrared you know they might need that sort of regeneration in the skin Um, it might be that you need to focus on calming another treatment so i do think that the customization aspect will really play in heavily here whether you do need to do peeling or like I said, devices or touch. Um, I think lymphatic drainage massage and like stimulating massage will equally play a part. So I do think it's the the balance between tech tech and touch will be really important here um, rather than sort of one specific treatment. But I do think that because this is quite a pivotal time in your skin, getting yourself into really good skin health routine and regular services will, will really put you in a good place when you do go postmenopausal and potentially need to push into those more advanced services or mm-hmm. you start the advanced services in this stage, um, but you can then progress into sort of those higher levels um, later on. Um, and I do think the supplementing with the right home care is key. So making sure that in perimenopause, people are on 
the right targeted treatment, whether that be for breakouts, whether that be for brightening, hydration, um, but then also potentially making sure that there is something in there that's going to keep the skin cool and calm when they are having those moments of heat mm -hmm. or, you know, intolerance within the skin. So um, those, I think, if we can combine those two things together, we'll get the best results. Yeah. And a key thing with that, too, is education, is just really helping them understand Absolutely. how they can manage those fluctuations at home as well. So it's definitely a challenging time that this skin's going to be, you know, challenging enough. And of course, we're going through a lot of these different physical, emotional, and mental changes. So yeah. this is really a key thing to be showing up for your client and being that person who's really helping to listen, understand, and guide. What about postmenopause? Because then we really see, like you said, maybe a, a, a larger shift to a, a different direction and the skin response. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me personally, I, I can see a huge change in my skin since I've gone postmenopausal. I mean, okay. like I said, it's very fluctuating during perimenopause and challenging at times. Mm -hmm. But postmenopause, I think, is when you start to see some quite significant shifts in, in you will definitely affect your home care routine and potentially the, the professional treatments you have. As we said, this is really where we've got no progesterone production. Our estrogen is at absolute, it's gone very, very low. It potentially, we're not ovulating anymore. We've gone past that last menstrual cycle. Um, so now the body is therefore not producing those estrogen levels at all anymore that we would be expecting. So all those things that we talked about earlier that estrogen is responsible for, which, like we said, fundamentally, a lot of it is wrapped around hydration in the skin. Mm -hmm. So one of the big, big changes you'll see will be the hydration level in your skin. All of a sudden, you will not necessarily just be battling dehydration, but dryness. So, um, you know, if your skin's never been dry before, you may find that you really start to feel your skin is not just dehydrated but tight and itchy sometimes and flaky and it just really needs the oil and not just the water it needs that sort of nourishment at the same time and um, certainly just from my personal perspective i've i've had to really increase that sort of ceramide oil lipid rich product into my routine the last few years to really supplement because otherwise my skin permanently feels tight mm -hmm. um, i think a lot of women will notice that shift and it and it will be even for people that have had oily skin, they'll start to really see that shift and change right. post-menopause. Um, the other thing, of course, is the symptoms that you started to see happening in peri will potentially continue. So something like pigmentation, for example, you will start to see that continue to sort of accelerate potentially if you haven't obviously been seeking treatment. Um, because as we said, the melanocyte cells themselves just naturally start to decline after 30 um, so that sort of just tends to be accelerated further post-menopause. Um, and the other thing I would say is that because the skin is usually not as well hydrated post-menopause by nature of the way the estrogen levels have declined, your skin will look duller. So the pigmentation will also look duller and potentially the skin will look devitalized. Um, but I suppose the other big shift with so hydration, I think, is one of the biggest shifts from a dryness perspective and not just the dehydration because of lipids and ceramides lacking those. I think the other big thing is the way you see your skin in terms of aging. Mm -hmm. So to your point, like along the jawline, the, the sort of dreaded, we talk about gel, 
that yes. sort of lateral, like tone elasticity if you move down onto the neck yes that can be an area that really does start to show as well around the eyes because you tend to get either one of two ways you'll either get puffiness because mm-hmm. you're holding on to fluid retention because estrogen is quite critical to that like drainage perspective um, or you'll get hollowing so you'll start to notice that you'll have more of a sunken look around the eye um, because again you've got lack of hyaluronic acid lack of that plumpness in the skin um, and also just integrity in terms of the collagen density is just not there so I think potentially from for what you would notice in the skin these are probably the things that will be picked up by people more quickly and certainly for me I know those are things that I've noticed and perhaps not a great statistic but it's something just to be aware of that is that you tend to get a decrease in your total skin collagen now some studies show that in the first five years after you've sort of gone through that sort of last menstrual cycle and you're into post-menopause you lose around 30 percent of your collagen Um, and then you'll lose two percent of that collagen every year for the next 20 years so a lot of what we need to think about in terms of skincare normally then comes down to how do we replenish the skin, rejuvenate the skin, how can we potentially stimulate collagen production? Um, so if we think about that, basically, by the time you've reached sort of 50, so by 55, if you went through menopause at 50, by 55, you would potentially have lost nearly 50% of your collagen. Say 50%. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yes, so okay, that, I think... <laughs> Like everyone's thinking, thinking in their seats, right? I know. Angela are not trying to shock you or bring anyone into a low level of feeling about this, but it is, I mean, it's good to know because again, like you said, the client's like, why around my mouth? Why am I getting this laxity in my neck? But again, like you said, they started at 50, 55, 2%. Yeah. You know, oh my goodness. And then now we're looking into like your collagen is basically cut in half. Yeah. So basically that's why in terms of <laughs> it's not a laughing matter, but we're yeah, we're, I think we're both matter. just kind of like <laughs> laughing so because what else sometimes. do you do? <laughs> exactly. And I and I say it because I, I'm living and breathing this stage myself now. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I can certainly see myself looking more at these more advanced treatments like microneedling, for example, okay. where you're doing collagen induction therapy, you're kind of stimulating yes. that collagen production. You know, you see the results so so drastically in the skin at this age. Really, they well receive, you know, that type of treatment like microneedling, LED therapy, you know, when you're doing red LED, for example, you're stimulating the mitochondria. You know, those are going to be great. Or, you know, going down the more advanced route, whether it be RF microneedling or HIFU or, you know, all of these treatments which are sort of increasing in popularity, mm-hmm. um, you know, are going to be potentially effective for this skin because you, you need things that are going to be stimulating the collagen, right. fibres, um, and looking at ingredients like retinol, which becomes your best friend, because we know retinol is just, or retinoids is a family group, are just super effective at collagen you know stimulation and synthesis so um finding a retinoid that your skin can tolerate would be great at this stage because your skin will thank you for it um but i would say you have to combine that with the hydration though because you will need that ceramide lipid nourishment as well as hyaluronic acid hydration um, and I do think that if you look at sort of post-menopause, if you haven't already used a serum, which is quite unlikely now, now is the time to be using targeted treatment products because 
your skin needs that more advanced ingredient technology to really support the changes that it's going through. Um, so I think in terms of postmenopause, it's probably those two areas where people will notice the biggest shift and change mm. is in the lines and wrinkles in the skin and the loss of tone elasticity and then the hydration, um, the dryness um, and sort of linking to that, the dullness that can come with that because of the pigmentation and the uneven skin tone. Um, so, yeah, so I, but I think on top of that, as you said, we shouldn't just underestimate that the skin can tolerate lots and lots done to it. We do need to check, you know, levels yeah. of sensitivity um, because each person is, is unique and different. But, um, but yeah, I think this is where, this is why people are loving microneedling because it's, it's not so invasive. There's not such a high downtime and it, it is really effective for skins that are going through changes such as postmenopause where you need that stimulation of collagen and elastin in the skin. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm like, you, I'm glad you brought that point about because you want to do more active treatments, not everyone can tolerate all of it all at once. Right. So mm-hmm. you still can do the more, um, active services like microneedling and chemical peels, but not to forget about supplementing with hydration, you know, moisturizer, sunscreen. I mean, all of it still oh, comes yeah. into still comes into play. And I think this has been such a fascinating conversation because a lot of our listeners, I think tuning in might say either a personally I've gone through that, or I know somebody, or that might explain why my client, I can't quite get the right treatments to get the results that I'm looking for. And maybe you haven't had that conversation with your client. And I think, you know, both of us have had this, you know, kind of epiphany that this needs to be talked about, not just really, not just in general conversation, but in the treatment room, um, Mm -hmm. in the treatment space, and then diving into the products that you're using and identifying those that really are going to be helpful and beneficial and result oriented for your client who might be going through these changes, whether it's perimenopausal or whether it's post that what do you have to offer? And this is a great opportunity to kind of build that into your business as another option of how mm. you can really help address not just the signs of aging, but all of the other things that uh, can come along with it as well. Um, this has been fantastic, Angela. Of course, I love having conversations with you. I think everyone's going to go back to this podcast and re-listen to all the amazing pieces of education that you've offered as well. Is there anything else that you have from a a professional standpoint, any other pro tips that you have found have been quite interesting or any innovations that are exciting in the industry that are really working well with this type of skin? Um, I think just something to come back to you said, I just wanted to say that I do think having the dialogue around menopause is super important on your treatment menu, in your conversations, in the social content that you produce, because statistically, the high proportion of your clients are going to be going through these transitions. So I think if you have an open dialogue and showcase it as a, a skin change that we're all going through, like we talk about acne, we talk about pigmentation we should be talking about menopausal skin Um, I think that's critically important and I do think that regardless of your personal age you should educate yourself in menopause because even if you're not living and breathing it yourself 
at some point you will, but also you'll have clients that will. So you need to be educated so that you can confidently navigate the conversations that you're having and also provide that safe space when somebody is feeling quite potentially lonely or disconnected. They feel like they're, they're the only one going through these symptoms that you can sort of, like you said, not there to diagnose, but just to reassure them that this is something, you know, that we expect to potentially see on the skin or, you know, push them in the right direction, potentially of where to get some more information. So I do think that's important because what I have started to see happen in the last few years is, is brands produce menopause skincare lines. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that we we don't necessarily need a menopause skincare line. What we need is the right advice on the type of products that we need. Mm-hmm. So it's choosing the right type of products that are either ceramide rich and are going to be lipid rich and hydrating or, you know, products that maybe are high in hyaluronic acid to support the lack of hyaluronic acid you've got, um, or, you know, calming. You know, so I think it's more about the education around that rather mm-hmm. than we need to switch to a whole separate line because that's not, that's right. kind of more of a marketing ploy. It's, it's around really finding the right ingredients and products for your mm-hmm. skin. So I think that's key. Um and that would be my other piece of advice is just to sort of make sure that you do switch up the skincare to suit the client's needs because um, they'll get frustrated otherwise because the skin, you know, will be responding so differently. Um, and I, I suppose there's so much happening in the industry in terms of the space of like advanced treatments. And, you know, if you look at all of the different things that are coming out of the marketplace, it's, it's a super exciting time in terms of there's some great ways we can really shift and change the skin. But I think skin integrity and health is so important. Um, and there's no point, you know, spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds or dollars on really advanced treatments or even going down the filler route if you're not going to look after your skin on a day-to-day basis. Because right that's going to be the fundamental basics to your skin health. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice is if we can get someone in a really good healthy skincare routine at home, then they're going to be much more receptive to whatever type of treatment we we prescribe them and recommend them um, and really, you know, be customizable so you can adapt Mm -hmm. to to where they find themselves in that fluctuation of their, their, their hormonal journey. Well, this has been such an amazing podcast with you and great pieces of advice. And I, again, I love coming back to that training, education, understanding menopausal skin so that you can be a source of definitely information as well as support for your clients. So thank you, Angela, for joining us today. Uh, and we appreciate all your knowledge. Pleasure. I could talk about it all day. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure um, everyone will be probably requesting a part two of this conversation and where we go next on the menopausal journey. So thanks everyone for joining us today. And we'll see you next time here on the Living Skin Podcast. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.